Welcome to the Where Does It Come From podcast. I'm Jo Salter, your podcast host and founder of Where Does It Come From, a social enterprise focusing on kind clothes that tell tales. In this podcast, I'll be chatting with amazing people who've dedicated themselves to making our world a better place through business, social enterprise, campaigning and much more. In this episode, we're discussing a sensitive topic, how to embed sustainability at end of life. My guests are Claire Lyons and Simon Holden. Claire has been writing and speaking on issues related to health, sustainability and family life for over 15 years. Since the death of her son in 2019, the focus has moved to the funeral sector specifically. Simon is the founder of the Founders Group Limited. He is passionate about the environment and has extensive experience in planning, project management and the application of research and development. Simon is also the CEO of the Woodland Burial Company and Natural Transitions. Both are focused on improving the impact of the funeral sector for people and planet. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Where Does It Come From podcast. Today, we're covering a quite sensitive subject. We're talking about ethical funerals and how we balance the whole area of end of life with sustainability. It's a balance between empathy and sustainability at that worst time of your life, really, or one of the worst times of your life. The bereaved are dealing with shock, with loss, with trying to do what they feel their loved ones would have wanted. And so how does sustainability fit in with this? With me today, I've got two key experts. I've got Claire and Simon here, Claire Lyons and Simon Holden. Um, I won't tell you about them. I will let them tell you about themselves. So welcome, Claire and Simon, to the podcast. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, um, Claire, would you like to go first and tell us a little bit about yourself and why this whole area is important for you? Yes, and there, there might be tears and that's okay because I'm trying to normalise uh, people being a grief in a very practical way. Um, this is a, a new niche for me. I'm from an eco sort of background, but our very young son died very suddenly in an accident at home um, in 2019. And so suddenly, unexpectedly, unwantedly, I found myself in the middle of managing grief and trying to fit that into our values and our lifestyle and our beliefs about sustainability. And it was shockingly hard to do. It was hard to find information. It was hard to find, it was hard to ask people to join in with us, if you know what I mean, because people have extraordinarily set ideas and views about what, um, funerals look like about what uh, grief looks like and so it, it was a really challenging time I remember the clearest memory I have some of it's very foggy uh, is that um, people will start sending flowers and I hate cut flowers they're all from abroad they're sustainability nightmare they arrive in plastic they cost a fortune um, and I just remember saying to my husband I, I can't have them I can't have them I just don't want them um, and of course they were all going to die quite quickly which was like the last thing I wanted in the house um, so there were lots and lots of sustainability issues that I really struggled with around that time on top of grief. 
and uh, it just became a bit of a mission for me um and so now I'm working um really hard to try and have those conversations try and encourage those conversations try and highlight all the really brilliant things we can do you know it's 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 a really important thing for us to think about it's probably the only shared human experience we have all of us will lose someone we love and all of us will die so you know it's a bit it's a bit silly really not to talk about it um so I find it challenging but nevertheless I do it's it, it I and first of all obviously um it's a terrible situation that you went through. Um, I personally find the whole subject very uncomfortable. So it's something for me as well to try and broaden my thinking into being able to be comfortable talking about this this area. Um, Simon, what about you? How did you come into this? So, so very much um, like Claire, uh, just a few years earlier, uh, my own personal experience of bereavement uh, with my dad, um, it wasn't so much the sustainability for me. It was the lack of options and choice that were and, and, and things that were like personal choices that would have fitted to his personality that just weren't available. You know, there, there was no it was A, B or C. Which one of those three do you like? There was no there was no there was no real option for personalizing how we remembered him and where he went and where it was that we went to go and see him. Um, and it was, yeah, it was the experience, the interaction with the sector itself, with, you know, different um, organisations that we had to work with or well, not work with at that point that we had to engage with um, with my dad's passing. Um, and I, it, I just thought there's got to be a better way of doing this. There has to be a, a not just a more sustainable, but just a more a more personal way of, uh, you know, going through this process. It's not something that people do regularly it's um, you know it's a once or twice in a lifetime that you have to not not have a bereavement but you that you have to go through the planning of it during a bereavement the planning of the funeral um and so yeah we just looked at it as a as a group of friends which is where the fauna group came from and just thought yeah, there has to be a better way of, of going about this so yeah that's that that's why i got involved with it it's an interesting one isn't it i mean someone once said to me um that when you're an entrepreneur which i guess we all three are you don't just think something better needs to be done. You then do it. <laughs> you start doing it, don't you? you think, well, so if not me, then who sort of thing. So tell us a bit about the Faunus Group, Simon. So the, the Faunus Group is uh, was formed by a group of very old friends. Um, we all known each other 20 odd, 20 odd years, um, all from very different uh, professional backgrounds, um, but had all had uh, bereavements within an amount of time um and it was it was literally over dinner and um, we were we were sat talking and we I, I mentioned the the idea that I wanted to d- create a burial ground which is you know which would have been somewhere that I would have been happy for my dad to have gone to and and to have gone and my dad is in in, in Granville's woods um but yeah it's and and from that the, uh, from the development of that conversation, we then seriously started looking at it, put our money where our mouth was, uh, purchased our um, our first our first site, uh, had to go on a very steep learning curve throughout that process, um, developed the uh, our beta site, our, our first site, Granville's Woods. Uh, from there, we learned a lot about um, 
about the, the negative effects that come from burial and the, the much more pronounced negative effects that come from dispersal or interment of cremated remains, cremated ashes. Um, that then uh, set us along on a journey to discover more about this. We we met our partners in the, in the States, VPI, uh, Verde Products Inc., who are a research team that had um, spent many years um, researching the, the issues with uh, full body don- yeah, decomposition and also the the uh, the issues with um, with cremated remains and ways of um, neutralising and mitigating and turning those issues into positives, um, which was something we wanted to do. My, my dad was uh, very much a a a, a um, an environmentalist before his time. You know, I remember being lectured on plastics in the eighties and things like this. You know, um, so I, I, we very much wanted it to fit in line with our values, which is what we did. That started on us on this journey, and after we'd met the uh, the research team um, in, in in the states, that then sent us off in the direction that we have ended up where we are now. Well, I'll, I'm going to come back to that later because it's it's fascinating what you do. But I'm just really aware that people listening may not still realise some of the key issues that we've been talking about in the past, and you guys have been working with for a few years now. So, um, Claire, can you outline? sort of the scale of the challenge here, some of the, the high level issues of sustainability at end of life for me, please. Well, it's it, it's sort of everything, really. And I try to think of uh, incremental changes. And that, that's always how I've done my version of, of eco living is, you know, what's better than? And there's a sliding scale, isn't there? So my house isn't plastic free um, because... I have young children and they have stuff and they go to parties and they get given stuff and but it's a lot less plastic than it used to be and I and I, f- I feel like we need to do better than what we're doing now so it's really every aspect you can probably improve on sustainability grounds so if we think about um some of the the absolute essentials of a funeral we think about the cars you know do you have to have the cars do you have to have those particular cars is there an alternative is it better than um if we think about venues you know are we taking lots and lots of people from one venue to another venue that's miles away and we're having all these extra journeys if we think about um the, the, the coffin you know is that enhancing the earth as it de, as it degrades or is it causing problems as it degrades if we think about um and 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 I fell foul of this I knew nothing about this three years ago um we buried my son in clothing his normal clothing we picked out special items what's really fascinating to me is that I, I feel the education does need to come to ordinary joes like me but it does also need to come to the sector because we were asked to bring in clothes so I never thought to question that because I assumed it, it, if there were choices there I would have been offered the choices um, but I wasn't I was told you know you need to bring in some clothes um, and I now realise that actually what we're buried in can have a massive impact on the um, on the process itself in terms of helping mother nature but also on the sort of impact in soil health and and all those sorts of things so there's lots and lots of little ways many of which wouldn't actually you know we're not actually asking people to do anything really difficult or anything really different even um you know your order of service do you need one um perhaps you do because it's something you feel people would like to keep um could it be on forestry 
you know, paper? Could it be on recycled paper? Could it be an online version? And, you know, if people want their own copy, they'll, they'll print it off. Um, there's so many different aspects of funerals and grief and bereavement that we could just look at again and very gently head in a better direction in terms of the items that we pick and the way in which we do things. And I don't think it is dramatic change in this particular sector. I think it is those small increments. I mean, for example, um, wool coffins are my latest little thing I like to get on my soapbox about. Um, you know, it's, it's a beautifully sustainable product. It, it's fabulous in every way. Everyone thinks that, and it is beautifully sustainable until you bury it. And at that point, it becomes a nightmarish product um, for, for nature to manage because, you know, just the, the um, inherent changes in when something is buried into how it reacts to the world around it, its environment um, is really important in this particular sector. So it's not to say that's not a sustainable product because it is. It's to say it's not suitable for burial. And so there's lots of little bits there of knowledge that of of you know, that we need to get out. <laughs> we need to get out into the wider world. Um, and, and that's part of the work that, that Simon and I are doing, because as you can hear, we feel very strongly about it. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> I think one thing, one thing that's very interesting that you said there that um, I know we've talked about before, but most people when they're arranging um, some kind of end of life ceremony or funeral, they will go to a funeral director. So the funeral directors are the people who are directly liaising with the people in most cases and so it's got to be about educating them and working with them to get these right messages across because I mean I'll come on a little bit later to talk about some of the work we've been doing with um, Rosedale Funeral Homes but around textiles but it's it's the, the messages if they don't know then how are they going to pass that information on to the person at that most vulnerable time and you talk yeah. about the mistakes that you made. I mean, when my, I only arranged one funeral in my life and that was my uncle. And that was probably 10 years ago now. But we got his, he was cremated and we chucked his ashes in the sea. I, oh. I, mean, I know, I'm, I'm horrified <laughs> to think about it now, you know. But I do think we need, we need to be kind to ourselves as well because we, we make the best decisions that we can in that moment. And if no one tells us different, how can we possibly know? It's not a time of life that you are really in a place to do a lot of research. And that's why, I, I, you know, I'm really careful not to blame, you know, not, not to sort of shake, shake um, sort of fingers at people who've done something historically because, you know, we all have that. That's life and we live and we learn and hopefully when we learn, we improve. Um, so, for example, I did my carbon uh, I'm carbon literate. I did my certificate and I'm now in the process of writing a funeral sector version of that, that hopefully we can encourage um, some uh, funeral you know directors to send their staff to become carbon literate to get some of these messages flowing through the system as it were well if you're um I think if anyone's listening to this and hopefully people will be from the funeral industry then that would be something that perhaps you could work with with them to pass that out there into the world could be a good vehicle yeah and and, and there, there is I mean, it, it sounds all doom and gloom there are some really progressive forward-thinking operators um in in the sector and that there are a few more directors that we've met that i'm I'm quite surprised just how forward-thinking they are and how much they're trying to address these sort of things but you know the the, the funeral sector 
isn't you know isn't the, the, the exception it, it's kind of the norm what every sector you're going to find people who resist change people who resist doing things the way it's always been done it, 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 you're always going to find that um and it yeah and education is by far and away um the, the best way of going about it but it's a taboo subject you know like like you said at the beginning it's it's something that's difficult to talk about i think the difference from when we first that you know started out in the in the sector to now it, it's huge um you know the the, the death cat um you know things that, that that happen that take place all the time in various different towns inviting people to come in and, and talk about um about the subject matter and trying to educate people before the fact and that, that's the thing if you have the knowledge before it's not such a big impact you know you, you've got to learn a lot in two weeks someone someone passes away you have to kind of get your head around all of that and how to do it and how to arrange a funeral and a wake and how to keep everyone informed and and then you've got to think about all of the you know the, the other side of things as well which is why it's kind of swept under the carpet a little bit in the in the funeral sector because it's it, it's it, the main priority and with us you know we, we are we are an environmentally focused positive impact business that's that's what we try and, and aspire to be that's what, that's what we work very hard to achieve um but ultimately the the bereaved the, the family is the main priority at the end of of everything so um so yeah and you've only got that two-week window so it's about education before i think and just kind of removing a little bit of the uh the, the taboos around subject and people you know in, in other countries in europe it's completely normal to talk about how, how you know how you're going to be dealt with at the end of your life years before you've died um and there, there, you're, you're right there, there is a huge culture thing there isn't there there is a huge we're, we're trying when you try to make any kind of change and you're trying to change the culture then it always takes time and and in particularly in this time when everyone's feeling very sensitive anyway you you kind of fall back on tradition but some of our traditions aren't rooted in in something that's sustainable or even necessarily sensible you know we just do it because that's the way it's always been done and that that's what we need to question but in a sensitive way I suppose yeah and I mean especially when when you look at what you're saying about tradition so the I think it's the 1854 there thereabouts that you know don't quote me on the exact year but it's there there or thereabouts um the the the, the burial act um now, now cremation that was only legalized in 1888 I think it was um is governed by the 1854. So even just how we look at and cremation now is, you know, is 80% of, um, you know, the choice of you know, pe- people in the UK. So 80% of people in the UK choose to be cremated. So burial isn't really the biggest issue. Um, you know, it, it's, it's part of the issue, but it's, um, we used to look at that and that's why cremation became because of you know, use on lands, demand on land, um, ground, con- ground contamination, which we didn't really understand 30 years ago, but we, we understand a lot more now. Um, the Environment Agency brought in, I think it was April uh, last year, 2022, uh, new groundwater contamination regulations for new and uh, extended burial grounds, because it's becoming known that actually if you put lots of uh, burials in one place, it does become a huge problem for that localised environment and certainly um, that you know the watercourses and the, the watercourse dependence further down the line, and it's it's it it it's something that we know about now. And we uh, the environmentalist, if you like, or the environmentalism 
and the the process have kind of married and i think that is quite well known in the in the sector so the, the different governing bodies are all well aware and all making massive strides to push um better practice um for, for burial but regardless of how far advanced you go with the burial you've still got the other 80 percent of the population who choose cremation and cremation is still um pretty much a flame uh flame combustion and you know it's it's so burials it, it's not just burial i think just to focus on burial would be be wrong i think it's the the whole how how do we disperse of our deceased in a respectful and positive way i think that's 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 the that's the big question so um just what are what are some key issues key problems i suppose with um cremation then what are the key environmental no-nos there well you, there's the, the the obvious um massive uh resource on natural on natural resource um, um dependency so you're burning natural gas it's flame there are uh electric cremators that are now being introduced into the uk um it's, it's not for me to uh, you know comment on their effectiveness but you are still in that in that same energy dependent huge amount of energy dependent for um and then ashes afterwards um they cremated ashes uh, or we, we call them ashes that we we, it, we within the company refer to them as cremated remains because they are 99 percent bone yeah. um they are classed as toxic so they have a ph of 11.8 they carry it they, they contain a sodium content it's like nearly 2,000 times the saline tolerance for any plant in the uk so the, the great remains and so there's 1100 tons of this waste that's then given back to the public to go and you know go forth and disperse and do what you will yeah. so there's lots of issues with with cremation we you know the obvious one is the combustion but then you've got the ashes problem at the end of it so it's not it's it's not a solution um it when when cremation first came around and legislation was put in place it was a very tiny way of uh you know dispersing our deceased whereas now it's the main way and you know we're still running that um that on archaic laws if you like that haven't really been updated to to deal with the increased numbers so yeah it's there's lots of problems with cremation um and obviously burial lots of land land demands and also the the ground contamination issues which have been addressed by the environment agency uh, last year um so yeah it's th- th- it, there's a lot to be done yeah it's really interesting though simon because i think um I was listening to, uh, I can't actually remember where I was listening, and they were talking about um, old burial grounds and this idea of tradition um, and needing them to be very pristine and, and very manicured and, you know, because that's a way of showing respect. And I would never want to, to dismiss that. I think that's really important. But also, you know, we, there are, can be very large areas of land um, often in quite um, high population areas, these very old burial grounds. And, you know, there's an opportunity there potentially to um, take down railings and put in hedges um, or, you know, rewild some of that area. And, and I, I think um, there's a lot within the sector um, open for discussion around how we promote and support um how we make it into a much more positive um a whole philosophy i suppose yeah the, just um, the, the management know. of the space absolutely yeah, Abs- yeah. absolutely uh, and it, yeah there, there, there is huge amount of acreage 
um, committed to uh, memorial or um, internment grounds in the UK, and they, they could be managed so it's so much better. But half the problem is is the uh, the contaminant that comes from the corroded remains and also from from body burial that it they you know the, the grounds the grounds people with the numerous local authority and private operators that we work with um the, the grounds become contaminated it's really difficult to 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 produce and you know grow those things um so it's it's kind of the you need the full circle approach i think so but you you obviously run a woodland area burial area um, as part of um, your group so how do you manage that within that so we uh we, we, in, that's that's quite a big question i think i think the uh, the short answer is correctly um so right from the the planting that we do so we use native um localized planting so you know we, we try and recreate rewild we work with the, uh, the the local wildlife trusts in the areas of where our sites are to try and uh, improve habitat for species that are critical in in those areas or we know are present so we, we try and manage our grounds with the, the the nature that's around the surrounding areas um the practices that we undertake for burial um we bury with rtn which we'll talk about an, another podcast maybe or a we could, I'm you, not sure. to give an overview of what that is now uh, so it's it's a a a burial product that we use with uh for the interment of ashes and for uh, full body burial um it's a product that uh, negates and uh, turns the negative elements uh, involved with burial and ash interment into a positive um that's done by um neutralizing things like the ph and the uh the, the sodium uh, content that we talked about and reintroducing the active cultures that then help to break down the bone or the body and quickly transition those into usable micro and macronutrients and so that the the, the, the soil fauna um can interact with it and basically it becomes part of nature so rtn stands for return to nature so we we use that product um the the way that we manage the grounds the way that we don't let plastics in the way that we don't don't allow for certain types of flower arrangements being because of the oasis and so we 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 have that very strict um uh, rule set if you like but i don't think that that deters people i think it encourages people because they know when they come the grounds will be as per and the woods will be a woods and the, you know the natural burial sites will be natural burial rather than it being that kind of mix between the two um and yeah we, we try and uh, just recreate and rewild it, it's a, it's about the site as much as it is about the the commercial activity if that makes sense mm. Mm. and you talked about your um your soil product your rtm product and how so you and you talked about how that breaks down things so does that does that um mean that the soil health is then returned to as you would want it to be over a certain amount of time um it's not even returned um if you're in a historical um you know crematorium uh, you know memorial grounds or something it would return the health but uh if you use the if, if you resolve the problem before it goes into the ground or as it's in the ground uh, then you don't need to restore it's you're basically 
and I, I say this very, um, I, don't know, I don't know, with consideration to the sensitivity of the subject matter, um, but your, your, your very being is then returned to the earth. That sounds a little bit hippie. Um, I like but it. Yeah, yeah. So if you, if you plant a tree like my dad, at Granville's, he, he ended up having to create him because, like I said, we couldn't find the, the right place for him. He was um, mixed with the RTN soil, or his remains were. We planted a, an elder tree on top of him um, with the idea that we can then have some decent elder wine out of the old fellow because he never managed to produce any and when he was with us. Um, but yeah, but that, that tree's now thriving and the very elements that made of dad, you know, he did, did, you know did, 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 if you like the now make up that tree so they've been broken that. down and that tree's now dad so i talk to that tree like it's dad and i think that's that's kind of the the full cycle which i was talking about it's the it's it's making sure that whatever we're doing doesn't have that knock-on effect it's that we are the end of that process so if you're buried that's the end of that process you know you are then returned to the earth if your uh, remains come to us we then return you back and you become part of that tree or whatever it is that you want to be that's beautiful. That is absolutely really beautiful. And I remember, um, conversely to, to that story, I remember Claire telling me in a past conversation about some studies that were done where tree roots were moving away from the remains because they were so toxic that trees were actively under the soil avoiding mm. the remains. So that is a beautiful story that you've, you've said there. Um, I'm conscious I think of I like okay. it. I'm just going to sneak in here. Sneak I think in. I like it because it, 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 and this again sounds very hippie, which isn't terribly me at all. But I like the idea that death is it it stops it being a straight line, birth, death, end, and it creates a, you know a circle. And so yes, you do die, but actually there's still connectivity, there's still link, and that's been very powerful mm-hmm. as part of my management of grief. Yeah. Um, that that's been very helpful. Yeah, I think that's because I mean we are all chemicals aren't we we're all made of different molecules and chemicals and things and it's like when we eat food it turns into when you've got kids they grow because they're eating food so that that energy is turning you know and it just it just that energy moving off into something else really without getting mega deep here (laughs) no but it but it is i mean that's that's yeah that's exactly where i kind of yeah bought into the whole thing it's um, not only the science works but actually I really liked, you know, where it took me, you know, with my own grief. And that, that's what it was all about. That's, that's, I mean, like myself and Clara, you know, both uh, from the same side of the pavement, if you like, with that same side of the road. No, it's a lovely, it's a lovely thought. Um, I want to move on um, to talk a little bit about textiles, because obviously I'm obsessed with them. Um, we've been talking over the last year or so about this. And um, I discovered that, from talking to a a wonderful funeral home company near us called Rosedale in Suffolk and Norfolk, um, that really not very much has been done about what you bury people in. And we were talking about the wool shrouds thing earlier, but also people being buried in their their own clothes. So, um, you know, Nike trainers and um, that lovely suit that you wear, that polyester suit, you know, and people are being buried in those and there's some dreadful things that are going to then be happening under the ground with those kind of textiles. So we've been working with Rosedale. Where does it come from? Has been working with Rosedale on looking at different biodegradable natural dyes textiles that we can um, use for burial and cremation. Actually, that are not going to have such harmful effects. Um, I know you've been doing some work on textile testing and 
coffin testing and that kind of thing. So I wondered if there was anything interesting that you could tell us about that. Well, yeah. So uh, <laughs> since since Claire uh, uh, introduced us and um, you sent us your lovely textile selections, we have or uh, my colleague or our colleague uh, Leo has commenced the uh, the, the very rudimentary uh, testing of the textiles and uh, in our facility in Nottingham. And wow, Joe is what I would say to you. Um, that wow, good or wow, bad? Yeah. No, wow, good. Um, oh, that's good. So the the difference in the the uh, the organic natural fiber. Um, we started the um, uh, the, the, the or Leo started the, uh, the the study on the nineteenth of December, and four weeks later, um, it is yeah fantastic results. Um, I, I could already predict exactly what's going to happen which is no no detrimental effect to the oh, that's great um it's i didn't actually know that so that's really good news <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's performed really really well um we, we've been quite surprised by it uh the problem with any sort of fabric or the, the, the garment that's in between any anything that sits between cadaver and the, the decomposition material which is the soil or the, the earth or whatever that's behind it um it is a barrier. Um, it's, it's direct contact that, that affects decomposition, and it's the cultures that the biology that's in there, the, the bacteria, enzymes, microorganisms that are in that soil that are then going to speed up and make a very positive decomposition. So the more barriers and layers you put between, the slower and the the, the, the more difficult that process is going to be. The more difficult the process, the more it's the sort of thing you don't want to think about. Um, but the quicker the process, the more it's, you know, it's nature doing nature. Um, but the problem is we, we take cadavers down to a certain depth of soil where the, 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 the natural uh, culture isn't there for decomposition. Uh, we then take away all of the oxygen. Oxygen, you know, uh, decomposition is an, an aerobic um, uh, process. So if you take away that, you then become an aerobic hypoxic decomposition, which creates its own issues. And so, yeah, the, the the easier the or the, or the better the the decomposition process or the the burial process, the more it infits with what people think is happening. The more barriers that you put between, you know, these great big caskets that don't breathe and you know they're made out of whatever, the more the things that you don't want to think about are going to be taking place. So it's it's, it's a strange one. Um, it's, it's really interesting i think it's something we need to come back to on another podcast actually when we've got some more information about um the trials that we're going to be running with rosedale as well so definitely want to come back to that so thank you for that um, i'm conscious of the time so um just to final just to sort of end it um we want to talk about some of the good things that are happening in this area because it can be as we said quite a sensitive area and i think one of the challenges that we always have is how we are feeling as the people arranging the end of life situation um, in terms of our own grief. Um, it's things like funeral planning and education that we've talked about before. But um, what good things do you think are coming along and that are being worked on that will make the situation easier going forward? Claire? I mean, I do think that COVID is sort of um, gave opportunities perhaps for people to have more open conversations and I do think that started um, so I think we are um, 
thinking about making a will it doesn't that doesn't seem as taboo anymore we are thinking about leaving a letter of wishes maybe um, that express how we feel and I think that's really valuable um, I think there's been brilliant things so you know lots of people know about different types of coffin now lots of people talk about cardboard and they talk about willow and again I would go back to my better than listing you know with willow is better than plastic but uh, willow made by Sophia Campbell Shaw down, you know, in British grown and British made is better than one from China. So everything can be better than even if we're talking in these really broad categories. I think that um, people are more conscious. I think the, the funnily enough, the thing I'm working on at the minute is floristry. Um, Simon touched on it and actually trying to, you know, think about native flowers, think about um you know, do you need a, a plastic uh, container for them or could could you be doing that in a more natural way? Um, I, I do see massive positivity and I do feel that we're all ready now to, to talk about it and think about it and, and make those um, different decisions. And I think COVID kind of gave a bit of a stopgap. I mean, obviously, the, you know, some people had very difficult experiences and I, I don't want to minimise that. Um, but um, I, I feel like it, it was um, a sort of break in normal in long enough to give us the chance to, to think again and think fresh and not necessarily just go back to how it was, but to move forward. Simon, do you have anything that you think has been positive, really positive that's happening? Yeah, so I so we, we work with so in a slightly different uh, uh, tact to my conscience, uh, which is Claire, my, my social conscience, which is Claire Lyons, um, looking at the industry as a whole. So I, I just feel that in, in organisations like the, the ICCN, the FBCA, the Commission Society are all very much, um, which are the, the governing bodies that look after and, if you like, oversee the, the funeral sector or the, certainly the commercial side of the, the funeral sector in the UK, are acknowledging that there is a need for change, um, that they are starting to put these things in place. They're starting to uh, move towards, they're regularly holding uh, you know, environmental conferences and trying to engage their members into a better, a better practice, if you will. Um, you've got people like the Good Funeral Guide, um, the, the Full Circle, um, who are uh, currently do, doing, or trying to make great strides into promoting a better, better practice, environmental, sustainable practice within the, within the industry. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think the, the sectors kind of wake up. Uh, local authorities, we're finding, are, are starting to engage a lot more with, um, with, with, with the, things that, the sort of things that we do. Um, is that you've got that still that juggernaut of the private sector, um, which is the, the, the money aspect, which maybe is going to be the, the biggest boat to change and the, the hardest thing to um, get a reaction from. But, yeah, I, I can see positive things in, uh, in the way that the industry and the sector is um, starting to adapt and change to the, the, the demands, if you like, of the, of, of the public. That's good to know. Good to know. Definitely. Right. Well, just last of all, then, um, can you, um, Claire, I think, tell everyone where we can, where people can find you, find out more about what you do? Right. So there's quite a few, <laughs> quite a few play, uh, touch points we call them don't we um so uh, i guess that the one i'm most proud of or most connected to is the woodland so um woodlandburialcompany.com that's uh, where my son is and that's the place that i first 
um, met Simon and um, just started to discover this whole world that I knew nothing about, really. Um, not a club I wanted to join, but um, I've met good people in there. Uh, I would also uh, really encourage people to find out more about the sort of Impact of Ashes, which is um, liveinmemorial.co.uk. Um, I think that's really powerful. If you want to hear my ranting uh, about grief, I'm just on clairelions.co.uk. I like to uh, share my feelings uh, openly. Um, and then the Fellness Group, which is uh, sort of the umbrella um, pushing forward so many of these innovations, um, is foundersgroup.co.uk. Lots of, lots of research lots of there for you to do. <laughs> Anything for to add, Simon, on any more touch points? No, other than cheers, Claire. Great job. <laughs> I knew she'd know it all off the top of her head, so I asked her. Well, um, hopefully, if anyone's got anything they want to get back to any of us on, please do. But especially other areas you might like us to cover in this, and we'll make this a series of podcasts about the issues surrounding, surrounding being sustainable at the end of life. I'd really like to do that. And if these guys would like to do that as well, that would be great. Um, it's ongoing work for all of us. Uh, and last of all, I'd like to say thank you so much to Claire and Simon for joining me on the Where Does It Come From podcast. It's been really interesting and educational. Always lovely to see you, Joe. And yeah, thank you. <laughs> you. Bye. Cheers. Take care. See you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Where Does It Come From podcast. You can find out more about the work we do creating planet-friendly, fair trade textiles and clothing that comes with its story on our website at wheredoesitcomefrom.co.uk. Thank you.